The Art of Seduction, Kidnapping and Hypothermia Written by Chaos and Crumpets Chapter 2 The reality of her situation hits her like a ton of bricks. Snow. Malfoy stands from his place on the bed, turning to face her. He towers over her so large, and she can see the ceiling is low, but something in her brain, or maybe something lower, registers approval, even though she knows it's quite literally the worst idea she's ever had, at least since she decided to get out of the car. You are proving wrong all of my previously held assumptions about you today, he says conversationally, pushing his hair back off his forehead. It falls down below his ears and looks so soft, curling gently towards the ends. This version of Malfoy has none of the hard edges his teenage self seemed so proud of. Except, well, except what are quite clearly hard-won abdominal muscles, and from the restricted view his clothing allows, what appears to be an exceptional pair of buttocks. What? She forces herself to return to a more sane direction of thought. No common sense, and a filthy mouth to boot. What has become of the darling of the wizarding world? He's... is he fucking smiling? Not smirking, or sneering, or leering, or sniggering, but an honest-to-God, look-at-this-joke-we're-sharing smile? It's probably more baffling than the flannel. Well, almost. Yes, well, I could say the same about you. And the situation warrants some bloody profanity. Why is that? What? She begins. But honestly, he's being so obtuse. He must be doing it on purpose. She wonders briefly if by some unlucky happenstance, there does exist another Draco in the world. A handsomer, smilier, taller Draco, who comes from an alternative universe where hair gel doesn't exist and his appeal isn't warped by blood prejudice. His name would be Draco Bonfoy. Probably not, she has to admit. Hermione huffs as best she can from her position lying on her side. It's just so comfortable, and his body seems to have left its warmth behind, and the blankets smell so good. Her limbs are feeling oddly heavy. It's a gargantuan effort just to shrug her shoulders. Where's the toilet? she asks, trying to prove her point, and also because she needs to know. Outside, he tells her, as though it should be obvious. Didn't he grow up in a mansion? Outside? Somehow she thinks that's worse than no toilet at all, because she can't possibly. She wonders what kind of damage frostbite can do to a person's genitals, and makes a mental note to look it up once she's no longer at risk of suffering from it. So you can see how I might find that alarming. Because the toilet is outside. Yes! I must say, you're making close to no sense at all. Didn't you camp for most of 1998? Why are you happy to use an outdoor toilet? Would you rather I didn't use one at all? He's laughing at her, not overtly, but she can see it in the crinkling of his eyes. No. He turns away, striding what can only be three paces to the other side of the room, to set a kettle on top of a wood-burning stove. Hermione's grandfather was probably Flannel's biggest proponent, and before today, she never would have said it could be described as alluring. Apparently, Draco Malfoy has changed her mind on that front already. It makes him look safe and comfortable, which is misleading, clearly. It's a point of pride for Hermione that she has historically reserved her weak-kneed swooning 
for those of a certain intellectual ilk, the writers and theoreticians of the world. A man with glasses, that's someone she can get behind, or on top of. A nice wool cardigan and a brown brogue is definitely her thing. This is why Malfoy, and his slightly too long hair, and his stubbly jaw, and his great big arm muscles, and the tingly feeling he's inspiring just below her navel, despite his absolute lack of adherence to her tried and tested preferences. Well, it's all quite alarming. That's the only reason she can't seem to stop staring. She struggles to extract her arms from the blanket he has swaddled her in most efficiently, wriggling herself into a sitting position against the wooden headboard. She's pleased when she manages to free her left arm from where it's been tucked against her chest. That feeling fades less than five seconds later, when she notices that the movement of the blanket is soft against her skin. Her skin. Not her apparently useless coat, or her jumper, or even her bra. The movement of the blanket is plush against her breast, her nipple, which can only mean... She can't believe the realization has taken so long to fully form. She's naked. Draco Malfoy has seen her boobs, her belly button, the cellulite on her thighs and the roll of her stomach. He's seen it. All of it. He's... What if he's touched it? What if he's... How dare you? Now, hold on, Granger. He turns quickly away from the boiling kettle, holding up his hands in supplication. You villainous little cretin! Well, that's completely uncalled for. You utterly perverted deviant! Whilst perhaps somewhat accurate, you're still being terribly rude. You foul! Granger! He manages to derail her building momentum with the sharp tone of his voice, but calms again almost immediately. Whilst I'm glad you're well enough to insult me so colorfully, you are misunderstanding the situation. Hermione makes a noise which is halfway between a screech and a sigh. So you didn't remove my clothes? I removed your clothes. It's irritating that he sounds so unconcerned by the admission. Then I haven't misunderstood, you repellent wankstain. Evidently, that's an insult too far, because he steps suddenly closer. She should be scared of him looming over her. But no, it's exciting. Because she enjoys giving entitled tosspots like him a good dressing down. That's the only reason. Now look here. Whilst I obviously regret the circumstances of the removal of your clothes, it was essential to your survival. Oh, really? First necessary cuddling, then essential removal of my clothes. Whatever next? Mandatory blowjobs? As soon as she's said it, she's thinking about it, which certainly isn't what she intended. Well, if you were to mandate it, then I wouldn't... Don't even! He's making it worse. Her always enthusiastic brain is happy to run with the idea. Honestly, you hit your head, you had hypothermia, your clothes were wet. He leans back on his heels and folds his arm across his chest. And that makes his arms look even bigger, which, in turn, pleases some traitorous part of her that can't bring itself to be unhappy with the situation. So what if this impeccable specimen of a man has seen her naked? Surely that's a good thing. It will make all the procreating she'd like to do with him infinitely easier. She tries to block it out. What would you prefer I had done? Preserved your dignity at the cost of your life? He asks, after her silent contemplation of his biceps has probably gone on too long. 
Oh, please, I was just a bit cold. She's disappointed to find the biting tone she'd adopted when she began her protestations has fallen away to nothing. Granger, you were on the verge of unconsciousness before you hit your head, and you were trying to remove your scarf and coat when I found you. You could have died, and if I have to choose between breaking my parole to see you naked in the course of saving your life and actual murder, well, I'm not ashamed to admit I'd choose your nakedness any day. She just sort of mouths wordlessly for a few moments at this declaration. She cannot wait to fully reclaim use of her faculties. She's really going to rip him a new one when she does. Definitely. You're exaggerating. I'm not. He turns back to finish their drinks, handing her a milky brew in a chipped mug that is a comfort between her hands. I didn't think it was that bad, she admits. He somehow fits himself into a wooden chair beside the bed. I... He hesitates. I didn't know it was you at first, when I brought you back. And then I took your coat off, and your hair... I I almost delayed too long. I'll understand if you want to inform the Wizengamot about this. The sound of his hard swallow is audible over the crackle of the fire. She sighs. I suppose that would be terribly ungrateful of me. You didn't look, though. I... His cheeks are pink, and she's sure that has nothing to do with the heat of the room. I made a valiant effort, truly. No one could have endeavoured more earnestly. She feels her own face heat to match his, and forces herself, with an effort which is honestly Herculean, not to ask any more questions about it. She sips her tea and feels the warmth spreading through her chest. I assume it couldn't be helped. Malfoy takes deep gulps from his own mug, eyes fixed on the window. So, I suppose you'll feel well enough to apparate soon. It's going to be an uncomfortably cold night, and it could be some time before the snow stops. Oh, of course he wants to be rid of her. This must be as mortifying for him as it is for her. I, well, actually... I don't have my wand. I don't suppose you're on the flu network? Why wouldn't you have it? Of course I'm not on the flu network. Why wouldn't I have it? Why wouldn't you be on it? They're apparently at a kind of question impasse, as he doesn't bother to respond, and neither does she. She tries to pick back up with her glaring, but they unfortunately don't seem to hold the same weight now she knows he's seen her shitty bra. Right. Well, if you'll return my clothes, I'll be on my way. It's at this point she notices her knickers, drying in front of the fire. Not her nicest pair, either. You're in no state to venture outside, Granger. She snorts an ungracious laugh. It doesn't really appear I have much choice in the matter. I can't imagine you tolerating me until I can get my car out. Why would you think that? She just stares at him. It's obvious. Are you... you hate me, Malfoy. I most certainly do not. It's you who has cause to hate me. I'm certainly not going to turn you out into the cold. It's this, more than anything else, that spurs her into her next course of action. She forces herself to her feet, ignoring the wobble to her knees, because how dare he pretend that all of the animosity between them wasn't started by him and his treatment of her. The audacity of him! that he can state in a balefully wounded voice that of course he doesn't hate her. It infuriates her. 
She shuffles her way to where she spotted her clothes, holding the blanket closed around herself. She's not going to let him have another look. Certainly not. Great. I think I've had quite enough of this faux contrition now. The fuck? Would you turn around, Malfoy? Or are you looking for another fist to the jaw? He stands and turns slowly, facing the wall in a stoic image of compliance. For some reason, this incenses her further. She throws the blanket at his back. She fucking dares him. She really wants to hit him. That's obviously why she sort of wants him to turn back around. Her trousers are still damp and stick to her legs as she pulls them on with difficulty, and the cold settles quickly back into her bones. Granger. No, Malfoy. Would you like? I wouldn't like anything at all, other than to escape from here. You can't seriously. I can do what I want, thank you. Should you, though? I don't know. Am I safer here with a man who, in my second-to-last interaction with him, well, you know what happened, Then I am in a blizzard? He doesn't say anything to that. She doesn't feel bad when she sees the stiffness in his spine. She doesn't. She wraps her sodden scarf around her neck with a wet flourish. I'm done. He looks furious when he turns back around. It's somehow still appealing. Right. Thank you for the necessary cuddling. I'll be sure to spit on you if I ever find you on fire. Her feet squelch uncomfortably in her boots as she stomps across the room. She grabs the door handle and yanks. It doesn't open. She tries again, her annoyance leading her to apply more force than is probably necessary. Malfoy clears his throat delicately. You need to slide the latch. Shut up, Malfoy. She does as he suggests pulling uselessly again. And push. It's not moving. Have you fucking imprisoned me, Malfoy? No, it opens outwards. You only need to... She throws her weight against the door and is momentarily confused by the face full of snow she gets until she realizes she's fallen face down, her heel preventing the door from closing behind her. She wonders what she did to deserve this treatment from a higher power. She hears his footsteps on the stone step behind her. All right there, Granger. Smug. He's so smug. Obviously, she replies, once she's got herself back on her feet. She tries to ignore the clumps of snow now stuck to her hair and coat, and the way it soaks so quickly into her clothes. With a final huff of indignation, she turns to leave. There's yet another fucking problem, however, as the snow is past her knees. She takes a prancing step, knees pulled high to clear the top, and then another. It isn't getting any easier. For what is not the first time in her life, she wishes she was taller. Two or three inches, is that so much to ask? Granger. No, Malfoy. She can do this. She will. She must. I can clear... No. Do you even know where your car is? Do you have a map? any idea of where you are. She doesn't, and so she doesn't dignify his queries with a response. His long legs give him a distinct advantage when traipsing through the snow. Damn, those practical thighs. He's caught up to her in seconds. You're going to make yourself ill again. You're practically asking for another naked cuddle. Was this your plan all along? A hypothermia-based approach to seduction? I must say, I'm enjoying it. He looks utterly unruffled by the weather or the situation. 
She's exhausted. Do you treat all wayward travellers unfortunate enough to cross your path like this? Like what? Rescue them? Care for them? Hug them back to health? Force them naked into your bed? Stalk them? Only the very cold ones. She's kind of astounded that he hasn't really bitten back. She's also shivering uncontrollably now. Again. This turn of events feels very familiar. She's about to admit defeat to herself, if not to him, when her legs are swept from under her. Fuck's sake, Granger. If this is kidnapping, then so be it. I'm not going to let you die for pride. And then he swept her into his arms, and her traitorous hands are clutching his shoulders, and her nose, which is practically numb it's so cold, and also running a little bit. But good, let Malfoy have it has found the warm skin of his neck. Her logical mind is protesting, truly horrified, but also very, very tired. And, well, she might as well seek out this heat, despite where it's coming from, as he undoes the last five minutes of her failed escape.